0: Hi, and welcome to the Andy Gorman Golf One Putt Podcast. I'm here with Gareth Shaw. We're talking tour talk. We've been in the deserts this week. So we've been in Arizona with the waste management, with a handful of crowds, and also in Saudi Arabia, where great wins were had by Brooks Ketka, and Dustin Johnson, with quite different stats, which we'll talk about, along with the return to some kind of form of Jordan Spieth, Looking forward to the following week's golf, which is non in Europe. We're having a week off, and uh, but heading to Pebble Beach, the iconic venue that is. And we're also talking a little bit about putting grips, i.e., how you hold it and why we do it. Look forward to catching up with you on the other side. See you tomorrow. Hi Gareth, how are you doing?
1: Yeah, really good. Andy, how's yourself? How's your neck more than poor? Then you've been injured.
0: Yeah, yeah, picked up an injury. Um, I, I wouldn't mind. It. Well, I do know how I've done it. Yeah, sat in front of a computer um, isn't the lifestyle of a golf pro. Mm-hmm. So yeah, all the back upper back, rhomboids, scapula, all around that area tightened up and it triggered into the neck so it's a little bit better a bit of chiropractor crunching over the weekend well friday um it can knock you about as it did but um you know sometimes you've got to go no what is it no pain no gain so yeah a bit of treatment um yeah it's getting better it's getting better so i don't want to spend too much time sat in front of a computer today Mm -hmm. so i'm quite looking forward to um well yeah giving it a go again this afternoon Mm because uh yeah, it's it's it, it, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, you know, folk, most most people understand what an injury is, you know. Yeah. And we, most of us have struggled with an injury at some point, and it's um, it, it's debilitating, debilitating in one sense, but it knocks you sideways in another sense. So you know, there's a physical element, and then there's the psychological element as well, because trying to work through the pain and you know if you're swinging a golf club sometimes i think you can work through you can swing through pain as long as it's not stopping you from hitting the golf ball mm-hmm. um you know the old adage beware of the injured golfer whenever Sevy complained about his back boy you know, put your money on him um <laughs> if you had a cold put your money on him um you know <laughs> yeah let's let's move on i could go no. no wrong on that one. So <laughs> <laughs> busy week.
1: Tour talk is absolutely littered with, with discussion points. Yeah,
0: Where do yeah. you want yeah. to start? Oh, I'm gagging to get started, really. I mean, all round, you know, should we start in the US? All round good. Um, seeing Jordan Spieth in the final group again. Mm-hmm. I think that's it's good for golf. Obviously, it's good for Jordan. Um, hope he doesn't take too much of a setback. Yeah. Um, you know interesting stats and interesting visuals um it, you know because it's one of those things he doesn't all look great um but you know obviously certainly with putting if you can square the face and hit it at the right speed you know will get the ball going in um and he found a week doing that and he, he, you know he's definitely struggling off the tee as we know from stats Um, But just good to see him up there in the mix. And I think that just, he he needs a little bit of confidence. He needs two or three more tournaments where he can do that. And then, you know, look, he may flip the switch this, you know, in the next opportunity. Um, I hope he's going to take, I hope he's going to pebble where, you know, we're we're off to the next week. I think it will be, you know, he needs to keep the momentum going. And that that's a big thing, you know. How too often guys get into, oh, I'm only going to play 15 weeks this year. Oh, get a grip and get out there and play a bit of golf. Unless you've got an injury, you know, or you're protecting yourself, you know, like Tiger and Frenoki mm. ever played more than 22 weeks in a year. Um, you know, think you just get out there and create some momentum and, and keep going. And as long as you've got an injury and you know, aggravate anything, you're not going to aggravate your mind if you get into contention all the time. Um, and that's a good thing. So, you know, the, yeah, I mean, it's just like, you know, it's just great to see him back. I mm. mean, I really, you know, it's been a long time, so I don't think he's had a top 10 finish. Um, I can't remember where he's finished, but I don't think he's had a top 10 finish in the last four years.
1: Yes, no, he hasn't won for, since 2017.
0: He hasn't won since. I know, it's ridiculous. So, um, yeah, it's kind of, yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of scary. Has he won since the Open? No. No. I mean, the Open Championship, you know, there's a guy at the height of his career winning the Open Championship not and barely contended since. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I heard a really good thing. I can't remember who said it. I was watching on Friday uh, morning which would have been the Thursday night's play and um, just talking about Spieth and Kepka and you know the guys of course we will come to Kepka in a minute with this great win but you know just he and it may have been rich beam just saying that he got there early one early in his career one big early in his career and didn't know how he did it so he's got he's got no reference points. You know, and even his coach has been with him. You know, since he was a kid. Um, he, he, you know, the reference points of of how how do you get to win? You win because you're strong mentally, and clearly there's some physical elements to that as well. it has got to be you know the amount of talent that you've got. But did he win by talent and a tough mentality, and and probably possibly won before he was ready to to understand it all. And now he's got to learn how to understand it. Now, many a good player will disappear. And we've seen that history's proven that. So they've come through one relatively early and then never won again. So, you know, so, it, you know, I think it's one of those from point of view of, um, you know, I, I I, just want to see Spieth back up there. You know, I think mm-hmm. he's a great player. He's terrific short game. He's good fun to watch, you know, because he's just as likely to chip in, you know, as he is getting get it close. So, you know, if he misses a green, he's, he, you know, he's he's birdie material. He's hit to forty feet. He's birdie material. I mean, you can't, like, you know, I watched him, like, say, first round. He was knocking putts in from all over the place. I filmed a bit of it, you know, and, um, you know, just trying to look at what's what's different in his stroke. And there is some differences, and they're all good um, by any means. But if you get the speed right and the face angle right, at the point of impact, then the, the ball's got a chance. So. Yeah, he's, he, it's it, like I say, it's just good to see him back, you know, let's move on to Kepko and, you know, just again saying that he enjoys the buzz of playing in front of a crowd, albeit 2,000 of them were on the 16th hole and 3,000 were littered around the other um, 17 holes on the course. He got a buzz, he gets a buzz from getting there an applause and finds finds it very difficult to get himself up if there isn't a crowd, well, you know, hey, we heard that before. Mm. You know, he's talked about the fact that he couldn't get himself up to play a regular tournament, but he could a major. And and hence, four majors out of his seven, now eight wins, you know, just goes to show you that there's some merit in that. I think he'd won four majors before he won another tournament. Mm. So, you know, his ability to be able to win um you know, he's, he's becoming proven. Yes, he's been in the doldrums for you know a couple of seasons. Bit of injury. Um, was it injury of the body or injury of the mind? Um, you know, amicable, plain sailing, sort of parting of the waves with uh, Claude Harmon. You know, his coach over the last few weeks, probably the season. You know, and you know, the th- I was thinking about this beforehand. What does he put? What can he put this down to? The public now knows he doesn't have Claude, oh, cool, not me. I have you know, clue. catching his back, which uh-huh. is great. And, you know, you've cleared the air, the public knows where you stand. And, and I think the, the advantage to that then is that he just goes out and plays. He's not thinking technically, he's not thinking what was it that was said in my ear, you know, 20 minutes, an hour, two hours ago. Um, He also then realises that too many times where I think we've become as players. Coaching process as much as the coach does. If a player doesn't understand why he's doing it and he doesn't recognise the cause and effects at any point, look going through the learning process is one thing but at any point taking ownership of that you know then we've got we're going to have some challenges you know because we're going to get out on the golf course and we're going uh, i don't know how to fix this Whereas actually out on the golf course you've got you and your caddy and that's all you've got to work with you know so your team becomes you and caddy you know and you in effect then become the audience of one because nobody else matters they can't communicate with you they can't you know, and I think there's something about that. We sort of, obviously, Tiger parting ways with Chris Como a couple of seasons ago, and you know, he goes out and does Tour Championship and you know, and uh, the Masters within a matter of weeks. You know, or be you know, weeks and obviously months, then onto the Masters. But you know, he's parted. He, he's in theory shouldn't he shouldn't be as confident, shouldn't be as comfortable, but he is. You know, so you know. I I think with obviously the current scenario as well, it's fine having your coaches travel. But you know, the coaches, some of the coaches are not getting younger. Well, all coaches are not getting younger, you know what I mean by that. But you know, we'll we'll see a younger crop of coaching coming through. You know, we always will. But you know, at what point do coaches come through? You know, are they coming through with the knowledge in their forties and fifties and then they're still there 20 years later in their sixties and obviously, you know, seeing Butch and you know the Bob Torrance was still coaching in his 70s. Um, you, you know, when you when you see that, a lot of these guys are just going to say, you know what? You know, the invasive nature of travel now, the challenges that go above and beyond just finding a decent hotel to put your head down in, you know, is 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 going to turn a lot of coaching um, away from it, especially when we know how successful the uh, remote coaching sides of things are. Um, and I think as long as you can base somewhere, and I think what will happen is ultimately players will end up basing a little bit more. Um, you know, I may be completely wrong with that. Of course, Europe's different because we travel so far. But, you know, but obviously in the States, you know, players can base, they'll have the coaches in their base location. Um, and you may find coaches sort of settling around their player locations. Um, which ultimately will mean that, you know, there's the players will travel to the coach. Of course, it's a lot easier in the States. I mean, a heck of a lot easier to do that in the States, but, um, you know, Europe a little less so. But, yeah, the, the advent of the, the ability to do remote coaching well, and, of course, it's a lot easier to do remote coaching very well on putting because there's not a lot of movement, you know, putting and short game, as in the field shots around the greens, it's, you know... I'm doing it at the moment. You know, with coach with the coaching that I'm doing with players out in the Middle East. You know, they've based themselves out there because we can't play golf. That's fine. They're out there getting ready for the season, and you know, we're doing remote coaching on the putting green and on the short game greens. Um, you know, they're setting their iPads up. I'm watching them in front, sitting in front of my TV screen, and you know, we're we're able to communicate. We're able to make changes. We're able to effect change, you know, get that ball flight and roll to, to do what we wanted to do and you know and see the immediate effects of it. And you know, not having to be hands-on. Um, you know, that's that's the new school of, of golf that we're in, you know, and I'm not saying that we don't need our tech because we will ultimately. I'm not saying that we don't need our studios and um you know sort of ball flight centers and, and the like because we do, but, you know, we'll become less reliant on it. Um, but, you know, the, the golfer has to understand that this is very doable. It's different, but it's very doable. And, you know, I've got some youngsters loving it. At the same time, they're also saying, I prefer it when I'm in the studio. But, but they're getting a lot more out of that direct focus because it's so one-dimensional you know um and i just think that that will help and then when a player can become less reliant or if you think about it now the coach isn't traveling in the air back home but the coach is in front of the computer screen because he's only sitting watching you know the tournament or whatever um and you can contact him straight after get back to your hotel room and have that conversation and you know, set the phone up, run off the local network service, and, and away they go. I think it's, you know, remote coaching is here to stay and will become a major part of, of the way that we do business. And of course, you can do it now. That's the beauty of it. It's now exactly. now,
1: Exactly. I know, that for example, this morning I've had two phone calls to Australia at eight, eight, eight o'clock this morning, I've done yeah. business in Australia, in Melbourne, in Queensland it's so accessible
0: now it's crazy yeah you know i mean as you know i mean i've got clients all over the world and you know to, to know that we can make it work all right there's a few challenges logistically in the middle east there's you know restrictions you know in terms of video conferencing and stuff like that but you know as i you know i i think the government will understand as well that you know business is being done can't move around freely and easily you know we're protecting folk you know open up the airways so that you know the the business that is being done there can be done monitor it by all means if that's the way you want to do it you know i'm not saying don't be political on it you know do what you've got to do to protect your national um, status and securities but you know a golf lesson a golf lesson at the end of the day and you know if you want to monitor it that's fine but you know allow us to do the video conferencing there it means that you're going to get your tourism business over there you know, with the clients going out there to train and to practice, you know. Um, And and those countries that open it up will become hotbeds for, you know. I mean, I've seen some phenomenal facilities um, that are around the Middle East, Turkey and, um, you know. And of course, at this time of the year, you've got the weather. So it's, you know, it's win-win. You know, and players are then going to come back ready for the summer, you know, hit hit the ground running early spring and, you know, be ready to go and do what they need to do, you know, during their, um, you know, pursuits of their careers going forward. So, yeah, I, the recreational golfer, when they get to understand that this is a real game changer now, now, now coaching, you know, in your living room, in your office on the practice ground. You know, yeah, you know, you know, we can't get and play on the practice ground. So, you can do it in your backyard. You know, it doesn't take an awful lot to set up a backyard platform. If you haven't got a backyard and you've got your living room, you can work out of there and work on your putting. You know, and so we've been doing putting in a short game, you know, this last month, and it's working really nicely. So, when, when will it be that the tour players start to do it? That's the thing. Exactly,
1: because at the end of the day as well, a lot of people are going to be seen out there putting strokes that they might be tinkering with and manipulating. And the two I want to focus on is Xander Shoffley and Jordan Spieth, Mm -hmm. especially the left below right. Mm -hmm. What is this craze about left below right, Andy? Because working with you, I'm an orthodox Andy Gorman advocate, (laughs) but there's so many people out there who are doing the left below right. And it just
0: looks awkward to me. Yeah, I mean, you've got left below right. Of course, you've got the pencil claws or whatever other types of grips, the split, the up the arm, you know, arm lock. I mean, all of these things, I think that will be, you know, I'd love to see the RNA nail that one. Um, it, it, you know, they're masks. Ultimately, the grip changes a mask. The grip, the, the wrists are not breaking down, they're reacting to the problem. And the risks are not the problem. You know, folks talk about it all the time. If you're catching us, new no, guys, look, I've been shouting this for 20 years. The risks are not the problem. The length of the club, the posture of the body, uh, those are the major factors. So if you're tall and the putter gets down to a certain length, you're discriminated. And this is my shout out to the RNA and USGA. If you short set a length on the putter, Ultimately, it should be no more than a couple of inches above the wrist height. That's how you would restrict the length of the club, not up the arm. But up the forearm is not the way to go. All right? Anchoring the putter up the forearm is not the way to go because the fault isn't being fixed. Putters are ultimately too short. And because of that, posture is poor and we're bent over the putter too far. When we take the spine with its natural curves, we've got through the rib cage, inwards through the neck and the lumbar spine. When we that and that's called an extension of the spine, when we go into flexion where we collapse over and we lose our height, you know, and we lose our sort of structure. And, you know, one of the reasons why I've got a neck problem right now is because I'm sat in front of a computer in poor posture for too long during the day. Sat at, yeah, exactly. Sat at the wrong, uh, on the wrong chair, at the wrong height, for too long, period. And and that that's where we are. So when we get into this forward flexion, we lose the the curvature of the spine, which, which then facilitates. over and bend over a little bit further and they can't move they get stuck there's just nothing to free that up the freedom is in the lumbar spine now anybody who's teaching otherwise i don't care who they are how much they're recognized it's wrong anatomically and it's the anatomical principles that we need to adhere to, not golf principles. I don't care about golf principles. I only care about what your body's designed to do, because then it moves freely. You know, I'm watching guys like Tony Finau, and he frustrates the life out of me when the guy's using a 34-inch putter and he's six foot four. Get a grip! Your back must be killing you. But then you can't get a grip because, actually, if you want to stand up nice and tall, there's no club left. He had the right club in his hands a couple of weeks ago when he had it shoved up the forearm, but he was using it up the forearm instead of in his hands. Had he used the right length of club and started to swing it more freely back and forward, it'd be so much easier. But how, how does he get to know that knowledge when the rest of the golf industry says, nah, you've got to get your eyes over it. You've got to go into flexion, bend over the top, And, you know, allow your arms to hang and grip down on this club. I mean, you know, at what point is this reality going to become, you know, real to the players that actually then they're not being fixed? They're not being helped. It's only going to take a major shakeup of the industry, you know, to recognise that. I don't know what, you know, I don't know how we get that message out. We've been shouting a long time and it's filtering, but it's. Yeah, how do we get it out there?
1: That kind of echoes for, for Dustin Johnson as well, doesn't it? Mm. Won won this, this week at the Saudi International. But his putting, for his standards, was dreadful.
0: Oh, it's interesting. I mean, yeah, strokes gain talked about the fact that, you know, for the first time this guy's done something that hasn't been done in a long time, which is to win. Had it been a putting competition, I thought it was really great the way that it was put across. Had it been a putting competition, he'd have missed the cut. Uh, And yet he wins the tournament. So it shows you how good his long game is. But my question would be, and a lot of people go like, yeah, see, it's all about the long game. It's not about the short game. No, it's not. It's not because he's the first person that's done it in a long, long time. It's all about the putting. Players play really well. They're the best players in the world. They do most things really, really well. And of course, there'll always be some at the back end of the field and some at the front end of the field. That's what, you know, that's what we pitch ourselves up against. And if a guy comes from the back of the field to the top of the field and the rest of his strong parts stay strong, you know, all of a sudden then, you know, he, he's in contention and if he can cope with the pressure of being in contention, he can win. And, you know, what we've got to be mindful of is that a player that plays to the strengths all the time is also relying on their weakness, not being too bad, but to be as bad as it was on greens that looked spectacular. I, I didn't see any reason I, I don't want this to sound as bad as it's going to sound, but from what I'm hearing, the greens have been dug up at uh, Emirates as we speak they're they're all coming up because the greens were in such poor condition they were not a spectacle to behold. The course was but the greens weren't they run really well but they looked really poor. I've been on those greens and they are they do look genuinely very very good they look different but that's desert greens it's a different type of grass it's contending with different kinds of climate you know so it's always going to be but there's a lot of patches on the emirates greens and so they've dug them up go across now to um, Saudi and all of a sudden you know what a spectacular looking golf course and again two weeks earlier we we're out in Abu Dhabi and the greens are spectacular there as well so you know, it's not because the surfaces are poor that you can then say, oh, you know, this is just down to, you know, people are missing putts because of poor surfaces. Because, you know, D- DJ just hit a lot of bad putts. You know, because
1: yeah, he was, he was, he was um, blaming the, the reads, wasn't he? He's, he said the reads weren't very good.
0: Well, he knows how to read. And the, and the thing is, you know, and we've talked about this on Lives as well, um, you know, I'm sure it'll come up this afternoon when we get back out there but you know key is you know aim point is as you know it's just a great way to understand reading greens and he does aim point with his brother you know they stand they straddle they get the feel for the line you know oh and this putt's falling everybody well why is it falling everybody is it that they're not factoring in the grain because it does have an effect you know are the grain are they expecting grain to be there that isn't there in which case it's not having the effect they're expecting it to have. And so there are misreads. And, th- and this is the thing. Misreads do happen. It's the human part of playing golf. You know, a little bit like playing a stock shot that you would normally hit and then topping it 100 yards down the fairway, like a 20 handicapper. All right? The what did he do, do Andy?
1: What did he do? do? <laughs> well, the difference between a
0: 20 handicapper who would have thrown his clubs, um, custom, you know, stomped off like a petulant child, is that he gave his club back over to his caddy, his caddy cleaned it, put it back in the bag, they dealt with it on the next shot, dialed it in and knocked the putt in for birdie. That's the difference between him, you know, and the 2020 handicap, you know, plus handicapper, is that, he, you know, he's flat out topped it on a reachable par five and still makes birdie. I mean, you know, it shows the character of the man. Would he have done that 10 years ago? Maybe not. But, but he's also dialed in his strengths uh, to become his strengths he dialed in his weakness to become a strength, which is his wedge play, his approach play. So even if he flat out tops a to four iron or whatever club it was that he was using, you know, he then gets a wedge in his hand for his next shot and dials it in and, you know, it's it, yeah, it spectacular the fact that he can go from such a cat- catastrophic failure. You know, go back to the desert or the other side, of the, you know, the desert on the other side of the, of the world. Um, you know, in Arizona, we see a flat out top with a shot driver's been knocked in the water um uh, harm and you know he's playing a shot from a side slope which is now very questionable with his longest club in his bag apart from his driver a flat out tops it into a cactus bush you know nigh on and gets up and down from 40 yards out of a bunker you know to only drop one shot but of course he's now capitulating you know he's going going from six under par for the for his round you know, and very quickly within a couple of holes, he's back down to, um, you know, he's dropped three shots in three holes or something. You know, and all because, you know, from trying to play the wrong shot, trying to do the wrong thing. You know, it, it becomes a real challenge. Um, and I think, you know, that that's for me. I think you've got to get to a place when you're very cool in your head you know, to be able to play through the really bad shots. But the only way to play good golf is to be cool in the head. So that's, again, you see, you've got to get there to play consistently good golf all the time. So, but, you know, and DJ, I think, you know, I, I admire the fact that they've travelled. It's easy to travel when you're being paid. And you're on a private jet. And you're on a private jet. And obviously there was a handful of the guys that did that. And they could have featured, you know. I like the fact that, you know, they they didn't just turn up for the money. They turned up and played good golf too, you know. I know they'd love to have seen Tony Finau get one over the line. But, you know, I, I almost get to the point where at uh, some exasperated point. Are you going to deal with this putting issue? Everybody knows about it. Everybody talks about it and he's not dealing with it. You know, then ultimately, you know, what are you doing? You're just blinkering and, you know, blindly carrying on and just, not doing anything about it and just blaming the greens or trying to change your putter or whatever it might be because it's not it is the putter but it's the fact that the putter doesn't fit him that's the problem then he can't get into good posture now he can't practice you know he, he, he doesn't know what he's trying to do He's now you know complete confusion you know it's when you've got confusion you've got uh, you know, how, how can you make a confident stroke? You can have, you know, and you can see, you can get into waves of, you know, knocking putts in, because you can. Um, but when you're knocking putts in with your hands and not your body, you're always reliant on something that will break down really quickly.
1: Why aren't they picking that up, Andy? Because I imagine, I know he's, he's, no, he's not with the kind of mainstream putter, manu- he's with a putter manufacturer, but it's not a mainstream tool on Odyssey, made it's another mm-hmm. company. So why aren't they picking up that at the fitting well, it, stage? Why haven't they got Sam or they haven't got the kind of technology? That well, you've
0: they got? they may well have the technology. I'd be very surprised if they haven't. But, you know, what they've got is a single single mindset on fitting. And so if you've got a putter fitting process that sits putters around 33, 34 and 35 inches, and you've got a guy of six foot five walks into your studio, you've still got this blinkered mindset that this is how you're going to fit them um i'm trying to think about it think of another sport that you know i've said it before shoe manufacturers you know well if your shoes aren't big enough we'll cut the toes out so you can get your feet in but it doesn't make it a shoe makes it a sandal all right so you know and if you're going to kick a ball with it then you've got nothing to protect your toes now we've got a problem and this is where we are with the industry we're missing the toes you know albeit it's not you know, of course, because it's the other end. We're well, effectively we've chopped the we've chopped the club off at the knee, and we're trying to attach ourselves to it at the shin, for the tall player, and that's the problem that we're dealing with. You know, literally, we've just chopped off a part of the leg, you know, because that's what the shaft represents, and we're asking the player to go and attach themselves to the shin, not the thigh, you know, of the club. So, you know, that 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 becomes a problem. You know, it's. It then affects your posture and it affects the way that you, it it goes beyond the posture. Posture affects the physical capability of the movement of the spine and the chest movement from side to side, period. Then poor posture affects balance, albeit not about to fall over necessarily. That effect on the balance clouds the brain. It messes with the way that the brain processes or doesn't process the information that's required, i.e. speed. Movement of direction to govern speed, um, you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, if the body can't move effectively, then you're trying to make it all up with the hands. And I don't know a single coach, swing, putting, or otherwise, who says use your hands to putt. Everybody's saying use your big muscles, use the big part of your body, the big muscles, the big structure, um, you know, to move the put and move the club. They're right, but they don't know how to. And that's where we get to. You know. I don't know. Might be getting a bit passionate about this um but you know <laughs> thanks for flicking the switch um but this is this is it you know and i get infuriated by the lack of knowledge but that's naivety ignorance is saying it do not work like that andy that's ignorance because they've chosen to ignore the advice which was and the lack of knowledge brought on by naivety you're still guilty of breaking the law if you don't know the speed limit is 30 mile an hour, having just left a 70 mile an hour zone. If you didn't realize it because the sign had been knocked down or whatever, it's still 30 mile an hour zone, even if there isn't a sign there. Now you could argue that and you might get away with a caution against the fine and a fine instead of points, but you still broke the law because the law says you must be driving a 30 in that particular area. The fact that you're naive to that doesn't mean that you're not breaking the law. But now you know if you do it next time around, the copper pulls you over and says, hold on a minute, I pulled you over before. Now you're ignorant to the law. Now I'm gonna slap the book at you and I'm gonna ban you for reckless driving as well. He can throw the book at you because you've been ignorant towards it. And I, I think there's still a lot of naivety around and that's why the manufacturers are being ignorant towards it because they know. But the manufacturers shouldn't be the one Necessarily, that tells a tour player the putter you're using is wrong. What he needs is a good team around him that says, "Actually, you know what? This is what we've we we're, we're now studying. This is now what we're observing. This is now what we've heard. This is a guy we've heard about." Right? Maybe you need to go in. and be confident in the knowledge that you know the rest of the team is not going to be sacked off because you bring in new knowledge. You know that new knowledge can be contracted. You know for a period. But ultimately, you know, start looking for new knowledge. Start looking for the answers because it isn't, it hasn't been exhausted, you know. So, you know, if all of a sudden, Andy gets a few calls. You know, a few players understand a little bit more. It's the tall fellas that I'm shouting out to. The little fellas need to be a mindful as well. You know, he's a little fella, but have got, haven't got the back of the tall fellas. But ultimately, I'm, you know this little fellow here at five, eight and a half is understanding because he was shoved into a putter that was too short as well. And, and that's where my understanding, I had to fail before I could succeed, you know, and some people only succeed or appear to, you know, so, you know, they don't go through the mix, you know, of missing lots and lots and lots of putts, you know, it's, they just don't hold as many as they think they, they should do, but they're not necessarily missing them. I was missing them, as you know, you know, and, and that, that's where we, we need to sort of step out from, you know, there's only so much you can do. You can't solicit, you're not allowed to solicit players. You know, if you go and solicit players through the managers, it falls on deaf ears because the managers aren't interested, which they should be because, you know, the better the player, the more marketable value they've got. So, I mean, you've got managers of players who are, you know, not listening because they're choosing not to, because it's, it's, it's not my position to do so. If your player is complaining about the putting or stats or or commentators are complaining about it, start looking for the solution because it ain't where you're looking at this point in time. And you don't have to be the best putter putting coach and only work on tour. As good as the putting coaches are, they don't have all the answers. They work with what they've got and they make good of what they have with the knowledge they have. But not everybody's got the answers. You know, I've seen it in Formula One. You know, many, many years ago, a friend of mine understood a fault that was set up in the Williams gearbox. He understood the fault, he shared the fault, but he was a a DIY mechanic, but knew the gearbox inside out because it was a derivative of another gearbox and he'd worked out how to change the gears internally when you're rebuilding it in double quick time. And Williams didn't even give him a thank you for it. You know, But they gained the knowledge from somebody outside the industry. It was a you know, DIY mechanic. And oftentimes, it's the DIY manufacturer, the DIY mechanic, these guys that have the best solutions, and the engineering tech and know-how don't have it they just have the qualifications that get them into the position. A lot of things have changed because computer design and and the like changes things up a little, a little bit easier now. But back in the day, when you're dealing with a mechanical issue, you know, sometimes it was the guy who was doing it on this, you know, on a pair of ramps, stuck up on a pair of bricks, stopping the thing from rolling off the ramps, you know, in the makeshift way. They were the guys that had actually worked out how to do things easier.
1: We've got a busy, busy week going into this week. The picture behind me gives it away where we are in America. Mm. The European tour has got a, a week off. They're back for the the World Golf Championship in a couple of weeks. But what are your thoughts on Pebble? And is that a course that you'd love to go and visit and play? It is
0: very much so. Um, you know, it's, a, it's an iconic golf course. It's not a Lynx. It's right on the ocean, but it's not a Lynx course. Um... And, you know, yeah, it's, for me, it, it, I mean, you know, I, I first, I, my first remembrance of Pebble was Tom Watson chipping in to beat, um, was it Nicholas? Uh, it was Nicholas, wasn't it? In, in 81, 80, 81? Can't remember around, around that sort of time, um, and you know to to chip in at the seventeenth there when I was watching it the other day actually it popped up on a I think it was a Rolex ad, and you know I was like, oh dear me that ball's six eight feet past the hole if he doesn't if he doesn't hit the flag as plumb as he does um you know and of course that was the second time that Watson had done Nicholas in in you know relatively recent years um and it was his only us open you know and You know, then Tom Kite in 91, you know, against uh, Monty, Um, you you know, just trawling it out there, you know, and the weather turned and, you know, but he managed to get it in there and, you know, wins the event. And and of course Tiger in 2000, you know, I know we're not playing US Opens, but, you know, winning by 15 shots. And how different the golf course is at this time of the year Versus the summer, a little bit like we we're talking about Tiger Pines last week. Um, you know, hard and bouncing. You know, firm. We can get the grasses up. You know, this time of the year, it's going to be wet, damp. You know, saw Tiger coming back from seven shots back from ten to play, playing in this event. I think it was in two thousand as well, and you know, winning the Open, then um, the U.S. Open, then you know, in the June by fifteen. So there's lots of things I think we can. You know to remind ourselves of, you know, all the time. Of course, Graham McDowell, you know, 2010. Um, So it's a great, you know, it is a great piece of golfing landscape. Uh, And, of course, the iconic image of the hole behind you, number seven, you know, 100-yard wedge shot that can play a three-iron, depending on the wind, (laughs) Um, for the mere mortals, of course, not for the tour player. But I've seen tour players hit six irons into that. So, you know, and a, and a flick with a wedge that's ended up in the ocean. So you, you can, you, you literally can go anything. And I think the players like the fact that you can do anything because we like a bit of a of a giggle, albeit we don't like to do it with the scorecard in our hands on Thursday through Sunday. But, you know, certainly, and certainly if the wind blows Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, it's, uh, you know, becomes a lot of fun. Um yeah, I think Pebble, you know, it would be on most people's bucket list given half a chance. It certainly, is on mine. Yeah.
1: No amateurs this
0: week, so it's just a no. It is normally ones. a pro am, isn't it? Yeah, um, and I think mean, that's a shame. But again, I, I understand the reasons why. You know, we happen to do that, and we happen to do that to protect the golfers whose livelihoods it is. And you know, we'll get back to proams as and when. But um, yeah, it would normally be you know significant pro am and. Um, are, they, are they mixing up the format? Are they still playing the different courses or are they, is it just... I'm not,
1: I'm not sure, you know, and I'll check that out. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, because that's, because it's always been Spyglass and uh, I think the other one there, it's three courses that they would play on the first three days and then they'd all play uh, that those that have qualified. A little bit like we we do with our Dunhill links. Um, you know, we then get the... Uh, Uh, the the last round at Pebble. So everybody plays Pebble twice um, and the cut's made after three rounds, isn't it? So it's it's Spyglass. Oh, dear me. Cyprus Point. Another great golf course. So three great courses there. And, you know, of course, if you're going to do the Monterey Peninsula, then you would have to do those three courses. And I think you'd need to probably borrow about $10,000 to go (laughs) go and do it. So, I think around a golf at Pebbles about 600, 600 pounds, isn't it? six Six hundred, about eight hundred dollars. So a um, lot of money, a,
1: lot of, a lot of money. It's one of those that there's some golf course you did do that for because it's like you say it's the bucket list, it's the box ticked. And yeah. I did that for I did that for Valderrama. I think that green fee was through two hundred and fifty euro, mm. which was ridiculous. I didn't pay that, thank goodness, for my PGA membership, but it was <laughs> a lot of money.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's, um, yeah, there, there are a handful of golf courses, you know, around and, you know, that we would love to get the opportunity to, to play. Travel is going to be the biggest challenge over that, you know, completing those bucket lists, um, you know. So, yeah, but definitely Pebble would be there. So, definitely. of course, you're about to do um, uh, St. Andrews, aren't you?
1: What we should have been, yeah, it should have been. It should have been actually next week. It should have been going up next week, but because of COVID and everything else.
0: Oh, I thought they're still playing golf. You're not allowed to travel up. Is that?
1: No, no, yeah, exactly. Just because of the uh, local restrictions and things. I should have been up there next week with a colleague, but we've 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 put it we've put it until um, next year. This time next year, so we're going to be playing the 20, 28th of February next year. So it's been all moved uh, and things. But that's hey, uh, nature, nature of the beast. In. Got him. The best.
0: yeah i thought you got a bit quiet on it i hadn't forgot you were going you see so um it's like oh I'm talking about iconic courses st andrews and pebble beach a bit too you know crikey don't get much more diverse really lush and green and then you know freezing cold mind you it's also covered in six inches of snow at the minute so yeah exactly
1: it'll be better next year but hey <laughs> i've been lucky enough i played it a couple of times i played it for my dad's 40th and for my 21st so it was a yeah special special place
0: did you miss all the bunkers
1: to be honest i wasn't bad i think i went in three on the first kind of time i went up with my dad and then i think i went in one on the second time but they were both in kind of winter conditions so it was um, I think it was March, March and October. But it was just, it was one of those kind of pinch yourself experiences. I, I shanked it off the first with a three iron, nearly knocked it out of bounds when I played with my dad. Um, just because of the nerves, I kind of pegged it up. I looked around. I, thought,
0: me. I would never have hit a three iron. I
1: know, don't know why I did that.
0: I can remember standing up in my first open qualifying, just turned pro, 1990. And I, I've got ping eye, one iron. And it was my go-to club. I could hit it anywhere. And I'm standing in the open qualifying um, regional rounds. One round get through into final qualifying. So you know, it, it's a, it's the shootout battle at that point. So, so I, you know, going out, not expecting anything. Stand on the first tee. Get the got the one iron out. I hit I hit one iron there since I was about fifteen. So, you know, teeing it up, and I t- remember turn i remember hearing you know gentlemen uh, your tea time is due um are, are you ready yep yep that's fine yeah so on the tee from john ray golf center andy gorman so i've turned round and one iron's ready i've turned around and i'm looking at this one I've put, I've put the one iron down i haven't teed the ball up at this point in time put the one iron down just to have a practice swing, and i think it, it looks a bit small that does And the first hole is, T's elevated, you go down in a little bit of a dip, the ninth green is in the dip below you, and to the right of the ninth green, as you look, is a pond, which is in front of the ninth green as you play in this 200 yard shot over water. And then the third T's in this view here, and it's all very on the right hand side of me, I've got this one iron, which now has a neck that's getting about that big. So I thought, I'll get my driver out and pull the head cover off the driver. I've turned to my dad who's caddying for me. And my dad's there trying to light a cigarette. He's only caddying for me, he can't even light his cigarette. He's that nervous. I'm like, you're making me feel comfortable. (laughs) Get the head cover off, smacks this ball down. And the adrenaline of it, this old block of wood, driver, you know, 43 inches, you know, I've knocked this thing down that fairway about 320 yards. And I could kick it on the front of the green. Anyway, I managed to chip it onto the front of the green. The pin was at the back, but I, I did make a four. So, but it was, you know, talk about the nerves, um, you know, of realising the first stages of an ambition, um, you know, and just getting first two nerves. So I, I, I'm with you, but you see, wisdom says don't hit the, short, the smallest head to hit on the club. So, um, you know, try and get on the ball. But yeah. the thing is, you can't hit driver either.
1: No, exactly. I was 20. My dad was really nervous before in the putting green and he had the sensible option of getting his hybrid out. So he hit his five hybrid down there and just a lovely little shot. But mm.
0: I don't
1: know what I was thinking,
0: three iron. What was well, you're I thinking Sevy three iron, classic, bang, knock it down the fairway. But of course, you know, Sevy can find the flat part of the club and you can't. So, exactly. <laughs> so in the Open Championships, you know, I'm not so sure Sevy hit iron very often down there, to be honest. I think he hit, hit three wood most of most of the time. He wasn't afraid of getting close to the water either. That's what I did notice. It's um, it would only it would only be a flick with a five iron down there if um, it, you know, if it was really howling. And of course, he can howl down there. You know, um, you know, but uh, yeah, and just flick one up on the wind and let it bounce down the fairway. But uh, yeah, it's an it's an interesting, it's a really interesting tee shot. It's not a course that I've played, but I've walked it, you know, numerous times and you know, jumped in the bunkers and gone like, whoa, how do you get out of that, you know? Yeah,
1: it's just so open. That was the point, I think. It was just so wide open, and people kept saying to me, oh, it's a, nearly 200 yards wide, you can't miss that. I'm yeah. like,
0: I think I can nearly can. It's 120, <laughs> I think, if I remember right. Yeah, it is, But wow. But um, didn't Ian Baker Finch knock it out of bounds during the Open? No, mm.
1: so,
0: I think he knocked it down the left, down the, third, down the 18th, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And folk it, had hit it out to... Had, uh, down the past the first over the first from the 18th tee as well mm. thinking it was the right thing to do you know and then get it a little bit hooky and you know it just keeps running so yeah it, it's it, it is wide open it's the widest fairway you'll ever attempt to hit but it's also you know you, you can miss it because the you know down the right hand side of both of those is the best lines and um, of course that's right next to the out bounds fence but uh, interesting time. memories but uh yeah it'll be interesting to see who who you know pulls pulls the win out of the bag I, I just hope that you know we can see jordan speith return to form continue um you know guys will be jumping out of the middle east and back over to the states now which will be you know good um you know they're a few quid in the box, in their back pockets and uh you know trophy, obviously for. Nice with DJ, So that's good. And, um, you know, I think that's where we, you know, I think golf's in a good place. And I think the fact that golf's managing to play a lot of itself now, um, you know, is good as well. So uh, yeah, looking forward to, uh, to, you know, the season continuing to build and just getting us back out onto the golf course now, because it's about time, you know, we know, we know that we cannot, put ourselves at any more risk being on the golf course there's no reason for golf courses to be closed um none whatsoever because if you can go and walk in the park and bump into you know 10,000 people you know walking in the park then you can go around a golf course which will have no more than you know sort of 50 60 70 people on it so um you know we should be out there playing golf you know and getting to meet with folk and keeping our uh, minds more sane and be mindful that as much as what we're doing here is bringing a little bit of frivolity and, you know, talking about what we can see, you know, with the best players in the world. Um, If you're missing your playing partners and you can't get out and speak to them, maybe have a walk around the park with them, you know, uh, but pick up the phone because there's a lot of people missing that contact with humans and it's a good place to go. So, you know, by all means do that. And, um, you know, check out Rick Shields as well. Rick's got a, podcast going on at the moment with pod and also he's uh, uh i think he's doing live walks around yeah, walk 18. Walk yeah, 18, really and you know he's doing that um and you know he's, he's raising some money for charity mind um it's a difficult time it is not easy being isolated and this is why it's important go and have a look and see what rick's doing and uh you know we'll have a reach out to rick um, as well but um, you know he's he's raising charity and he's, he's got a just giving page for mine so go and check that out and see what he's doing but if you're missing your playing partners pick up the phone and maybe go and have a walk down the local park take your clubs with you but don't take a golf ball when anybody asks the question just say we're exercising with our clubs on our back because we need to get together stay together stay safe and uh, you know we'll catch up with you next time